It's time again for The Insider with Chuck Kuala and Scott Jensen, sponsored by the Wisconsin Counties Association and the Tommy G. Thompson Center on Public Leadership. So we're going to do a version of The Insider Show that you can see all the time. Uh, there's episodes at wispolitics.com, so you know, go check out uh, the episodes, but we're going to do a version of that. And the idea is that these two were involved neck deep in politics and government uh, for many years at the Capitol. They know the territory. They know all, uh, all the inside dope, if you will. Okay, So uh, we're going to try to cover a lot of what's going on in politics and government right now, and then we'll have time for a couple questions at the end. So let's just start with, I think, the biggest story for people in and around the Capitol, and I think for all of you, is redistricting, you know, how it's going to affect you and your legislators. The legislator that you know or me today may not be your legislator next year. So um, it's, it's a big shakeup. Usually this only happens once every 10 years. Now it's happening twice in four years. So, First to Scott Jensen, the former GOP Assembly Speaker. Why don't you explain quickly and simply, if you can, what happened? Because it's a big deal. It is a huge deal. Um, so as Jeff said, we normally redistrict once every 10 years. We get the new census numbers. The legislature approves a map, sends it to a governor. The last time we did that, we had a Republican legislature and a Republican governor. No surprise, given the fact that they were given the chance to draw the maps, they drew maps that were very favorable to Republicans. In fact, today, Republicans control two-thirds of the state Senate and are just short of a two-thirds margin uh, in the state assembly, despite the fact that Wisconsin is a 50-50 state. It is, the, it is the swinginest swing state in America. Um, and that's why all the presidential candidates will be camped out here for, for months. So the Republicans have a 21-seat majority uh, in the state assembly. That is huge. Um, but last year, the people of Wisconsin decided to elect Janet Protasiewicz to the Wisconsin Supreme Court. That gave the Democrats or liberals a majority on the court. That gave Democrats in Wisconsin a chance to go to a favorable court and to say, hey, these maps are unfair and unconstitutional, you should strike them down and draw new maps that are more fair and constitutional. Okay, so the court started that process. Republicans got nervous about what the court's answer was going to be and they said, how about we just pass Governor Evers' maps? So they took up the governor's maps that he had drawn, passed them through both houses of the legislature. Earlier this week, the governor signed them into law. How big of a change is that? Well, depending on the analysis that you use, you could go from a 21-seat majority for the Republicans in the state assembly, so 64-35, to a 50-49 one-seat majority for either the Democrats or the Republicans. It would essentially make the assembly 50-50, and it would make the Senate actually lean slightly Democrat. It would go from two-thirds Republican to slightly Democrat. So that is a massive change in Wisconsin politics. Now, it will be slowed down. The change won't occur all at once. It's slowed down because senators get elected, uh, half of them at one uh, cycle and the other half 
at the next election. So they don't change all at once. The other thing is there's this power of incumbency, right? Incumbents are well known, they usually have money and resources and the ability to raise more. Um, and so a Republican might now have gone from a 60% Republican district to a 51% Democratic district, but they could stand a good chance of hanging on to that seat just because people know them and they have a head start on the election. So I don't think it's gonna flip right away, but a huge change is coming to Wisconsin politics. We will go from a legislature that's overwhelmingly Republican to one that is tightly contested between the two political parties. So Chuck, how big of a deal is this? This is huge. I mean, this will make a huge difference. And, and for those of you who might be squeamish about whether you know, you're one of those rare you know, unicorns in the field that is not a Republican or not a Democrat because you think both parties are too extreme, you should be the happiest person about this result. <laughs> because what's going to happen, I just spoke last night with a young man who's considering running for the assembly, a Democrat, in a, in a seat that's been held by a Republican for a long time. And we talked about this, and one of the things that he was concerned about, he says, you know, Chuck, some of those Democrats are just way off the deep end. And he says, I don't know. And I said, here's the great thing for you. And this is the thing for, I think, most of you to take away. And I think most of us will be happy about this, even though Scott and I are definitely partisan. And that is, this is going to drive both parties to the middle. Why? Because to keep that majority, you're going to have to elect the person in the marginal district in order to keep the majority. Scott and I both faced this in the legislature. We would get our majorities, not from Dane County or Milwaukee County, and that will still be the case. You're gonna get your majority elsewhere. So since I'm in the Senate, let me just focus on that for a second. Where will the majorities be gotten in Wisconsin? Sure, there'll be a lot of Democrats. If Democrats are gonna get it in Milwaukee County and there'll be a Kenosha seat and there'll be a lot of Dane County seats in Southwest Wisconsin, but where is it really gonna be decided? I'll tell you where, it's gonna be decided in Appleton, it's gonna be decided in Green Bay, it's gonna be decided in Eau Claire, and it's gonna be decided in La Crosse. And you know what, for our state, that's probably a good thing. Because what I was able to say to this young man, honestly, is that you know what, you're gonna be the person, if you provide the majority or close to it, who's gonna drive a lot of those caucus decisions. So your thoughtful analysis of where your people are, and this guy's in a rural area, that's gonna drive a lot of the decisions that are made down there. It's gonna keep people from the ultra-partisans. That is not to say, that you're not gonna have the ultra-partisans, the branching or whatever that are out there, but they're not going to be driving the bus. You and others like you will. I think that's a good development for Wisconsin. When you have, extreme, when you have an extreme gerrymander, as this state has, and many people around the country call it the most extreme gerrymander in the country, then people are driven to the extremes. Even the Democrats, they have very few seats that they hold outside of Dane County and outside of Milwaukee County. So you have Brad Paff in, in La Crosse and Jeff Smith in, up in Eau Claire, but those are the rarities, and that does not drive you to get to the middle. And the leaders on the Republican side are more concerned about taking care of the base than they are about others. And by the way, that's one thing that will hopefully go away, although it may not. The biggest concern for Republicans right now is being primaried by the MAGA base, and that is driving out most of the moderates from the Republican. In fact, people that we used to consider the moderates on the Republican side, they're gone. We've had to redefine moderate from our perspective on Republicans. People that used to be the farthest to the right 20 years ago, they are now the moderates in the party. So you can see, I think this will have enormously positive benefits for the state. Okay, so Chuck, so if, if uh, it's gonna be so positive, why did most of the people in your party vote against it? 
The governor's bill was the most Republican-leaning of the four bills that were drafted in the legislature, number one. It could have been done much more elegantly than it was. And also, very significantly, and this gets to Scott's point before. Elegantly, like with a knife, you mean. <laughs> so, but the, the most important implication is, if we want to drill down, is the best that Democrats, these districts vote their numbers, first of all. Scott is right, incumbency made. But the best that Democrats could do in the state Senate this year is to get to 15 seats, and that's if they win two seats that are marginally Republican, and at least one of those seats is going to have a Republican incumbent who's been there a long time running it. And although the money thing is gone, it used to be with Scott and myself, incumbency meant more money. Do you realize that a state Senate seat this year, there might be $2 million spent on each side? Not, a, not for the seat. Easily. Republicans will spend $2 million and Democrats will spend $2 million. And maybe I'm underestimating. It looks like Scott is thinking. That's crazy. So the money won't be the thing. But incumbency really does make a difference. We did a little experiment in my, in my district one time. We didn't do an experiment. We just watched the numbers. And we find out that having been in a town in the western part of Dane County or not having been in the town, in the same year, in a, in a presidential year, there was a 5% difference. Now, I think that difference has gone down. But still, the familiarity with an incumbent, their opportunity to communicate with people does make a big difference. So Scott is right. This is not going to move toward the Democrats as quickly as we thought. And because the governor's numbers are not as good as the other numbers, I'm afraid that Republicans may remain in control of both houses for a while. So let me pick up on two points that Chuck made at the earlier in his remarks. Uh, first, he mentioned that he was talking to a young person who wanted to run for office who was worried that the Democratic Party was a little more liberal than he or she was. So um, that is actually still a factor here. So what, there's some clever things that were done in the governor's map. You might not think it was as well drawn as it could have been, but um, the governor first, he, he essentially, we talked about the power of incumbency. So what the governor did was he combined as many incumbents together in the same seats as possible, made the incumbents run against each other and created next door an open seat. And in the state assembly, there are 29 legislators who have to run against each other uh, in a seat. 25 of them are Republican. Just happened to be that way, right? So they created all these open seats. There are legislators who can see their district, their old district, from their front door. But they're outside it. One legislator is 15 feet outside of his district. That's an elegant knife that was used to cut these districts. So one, one that is fascinating. Two, um, Chuck mentioned the cities, the medium-sized cities that he thinks will now have more, uh, will tell who's going to be in charge of the legislature. There's a reason for that. The Republicans had drawn the map where it was they gave the city to the Democrat and the suburbs and the rural areas to two Republican districts. Now the districts are sliced so that a piece of the city and the suburbs and a rural area are there. And now these are 50-50 districts, rather than a safe Democrat seat in La Crosse and a swing seat and then a safe Republican seat, which is what we had in La Crosse. Now you have uh, one safe Democrat seat and two seats that are in play in the legislature that are 50-50. That makes those areas, I think, much more important. And they determine, and, there's, and so power shifts um, geographically in this state all the time. A lot of people think that this is a partisan question in the legislature, but quite often it's a rural versus urban, or it is a southeastern Wisconsin versus the rest of the state thing. So when I was in charge of the state assembly, almost all the leaders were from my county, Waukesha County. That's long gone. 
Now most of the leaders come from rural Republican areas because that's where the majority of the Republican caucus comes from. So all these things change who the leaders are, change what issues come up in the legislature. Um, and I think Chuck is right, it forces both, both of the parties to the middle. They will still each play to their base, but they will also have to play to the middle. And so they're gonna be careful on all sorts of issues uh, to make sure they don't tip too far in one direction. And I think you can easily point to both parties, Chuck only pointed to one, but I, I think you can point to both parties as having diverged significantly from the average voter. Both parties are out of step with the average voter today because they are only listening to their base right now. But if they have to listen to the middle, now it changes both parties. Okay, so we gotta move yep. along here. So I just wanna ask this question to transition to our other questions though. What, you know, Wisconsin's already the center of the political universe. What's this gonna do in terms of money into the state? And the, it, will the competition for these swing seats, more swing seats, affect the Senate race and the presidential race? Yes. Uh, but let me Please elaborate. Please, there, there you go. Before we move on, Scott and I will just have to agree to disagree. When you have the most extreme gerrymander in the country, you're going to have paired incumbents in a Republican situation. Let me give you one example. The cities were split by the Republicans so that they could not have an impact. So that is why there are now three, count them three, Republican senators who live within seven miles of each other around Green Bay. If you draw the map fairly, you will put Green Bay and its immediate surrounding area together. Two of those people, yes, are going to have to move. But that's the nature of getting away from an extreme gerrymander. And Arguably, this should be a cautionary tale for Republicans in the future trying to do this kind of extreme gerrymander. Let's talk about money. You heard me say before, Senate, competitive Senate races could have a couple million dollars spent on them. They're going to be competing on TV with presidential, Tammy Baldwin, Hovde, et cetera. This is definitely going to drive the, the money in Wisconsin. We, if we were the center of the universe before, it's like we're a black hole. Now everything will be sucked into Wisconsin. So there, and the great thing is the, 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 guy, the genius for Wisconsin, and the guy you have to give a lot of credit to, is Ben Wickler, who has been the driving force raising money here, whether it's the Princess Bride cast getting back together, whatever it might be. He's the chair of the Democratic Party. Chair of the Democratic Party. He will go out and he will raise multi-millions. I would not be surprised to see literally hundreds of millions of dollars. A half billion dollars could be spent. I mean, you know, we had the highest expense. Not Remember, California is a lot bigger than us. Our Supreme Court race here in Wisconsin was the largest, absolutely the largest amount, 50-some million dollars spent on it. The, the largest race before that was in Illinois at $14 million. If we can spend 50-some million dollars on a, on a Supreme Court race that at the end of the day wasn't that competitive, and you've got a presidential, a Tammy Baldwin race, which won't be competitive, by the way, Tammy will kick butt on that one, and state legislative races for up for grabs, you could see, you're going to definitely see 300 million plus, but you could see a half billion dollars spent on Wisconsin. So who wins? Well, the television stations in Wisconsin definitely are winners. In fact, I think you will, just wait, you will see a story somewhere in October that the most expensive television market in America is Green, Green Bay. Bay. Yeah. Green Bay, Wisconsin covers the swing part of the state. And that's where the presidential candidates and a U.S. control, the United States Senate is up for grabs. So they're going to be investing millions and millions and millions of there. Both houses of the legislature will be up for grabs. The most expensive media market in the country may not be Manhattan. 
and maybe Green Bay, Wisconsin by October of this year. Okay, so Chuck, you predict who will win uh, the assembly and win the Senate. Senate will be won by the Republicans. It will be at least an 1815 situation for them because the Democrats, there are not enough competitive seats up this year. Remember, Democrats are right now at 11. That would mean that Democrats would have to pick up four seats. So the, the target question is, will the Republican wins? Yes, that's a given. And so that is something that will drive, you But know, do you think the Dems will take control of the state Senate in 26? I think there's a chance, but here's the bottom line. Democrats will have to run. They will have, they need six seats to get to 17 to win. There are only seven competitive seats over the two cycles. They would have to win four this year and three next year or three this year and all three next year or two years from now. So the bottom line is, I think Democrats will probably get to 14. Well, it all depends upon how Trump and Biden. You're confusing the heck out of me. So, yeah. okay. So, so the Senate is going to stay Republican. What about the Assembly? The Senate will stay Republican, and it'll probably be 1914. That's, you should get the numbers out of people. I think people can predict. The Assembly, I think, will be close. But what happens in November may not determine what ultimately is the, the, uh, the majority in the long term. If the Republicans win by one, only one vote, there will be 50 Republicans, right? A lot of those guys have been around for a long time, right? Some of those people, you know, they don't make a lot of money, uh, $60,000. You know, a lot of those people want to retire. What's one way you can retire? It's last three, last, best last three years. Boy, Governor, Governor Evers appointed two Republicans who wanted to get a good retirement that 50-49 could switch to 49-48 pretty quickly, couldn't it? So there's lots of machinations yet to go. By the way, we are not out of the woods. It, you know, let me be the person, the only person who's going to tell you this. There's a chance that somebody will go to the Seventh Circuit and say, you know, this redistricting thing, there was not due process. We need more time. And the Seventh Circuit, headed by Diane Sykes, um, who is a Republican, could appoint a group and say, oh, you know what, there's not enough time, we're gonna to have to run under the old maps. Now that's not likely, but you notice there's a little fight, I don't know if you noticed today, if you're an insider, you watch these things. Robin Voss says, Governor, sign the map, sign the map, sign the maps right now. And Governor Evers says, hold on. And you know why? Because if the maps are signed, then he's ready to go and somebody can go down to the Seventh Circuit. If Evers holds off for a little while, it maybe gets a little bit harder for that to happen. So you can see why this, for insiders, is just wonderful Ameri you know, inside baseball. But there's a lot of water to go under the bridge before we find out who controls the legislature next year. Okay, well, so, I bet you can answer this more quickly. Yeah, the re <laughs> Republicans will control both houses of the legislature, but by smaller margins. And it actually becomes difficult. We're both former legislative leaders, and we both led at times in which we had very narrow margins. You actually had a time where you were the leader where it was controlled by the Republicans by one, then the Democrats by one, then back to the Republicans by one. Those were all during your years, right? I, I was lucky at the start when, when, I, when I first be, uh, was put in charge that we, we only had, I think it was 52-48. So if someone was sick, and two of my caucus members who never liked to play with the rest of the kids in the sandbox uh, weren't willing to go along. I didn't have the votes. Um, and so I, there were times where I actually literally had to go over and strike a deal with the Democrats in order to get the votes to pass something, like a state budget once. Um, so that, of course, changes. If I'm negotiating with Republicans, 
that is a very different negotiation than if I'm negotiating with some stray Democrats who will give me the votes uh, to get a budget passed. So it completely changes not only the politics in the building, but the kind of policy that you get out of the building. One or two stubborn people who are like, I'm just, and we can name stubborn names. Stubborn people? Yeah, I, name names. To um, find any but of there are people who just like don't want to be part of the team. They want to be able, they always think it's safest to be a no vote because you can always explain that something's not perfect, right? You hear that a lot in politics right now from people. And it's why it's so hard to build compromise. All right. You've been listening to The Insiders with Chuck Walla and Scott Jensen, sponsored by the Wisconsin Counties Association and the Tommy G. Thompson Center on Public Leadership. <laughs>